We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It's finally here. It's week one. Mario Puig and I, John McKechnie, are going to break down every game on the slate for this weekend as the season kicks off Thursday night with the Rams and the Bills facing off in primetime. Awesome games to get into. Lots of lineup calls to make. All that good stuff and more here on this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Let's go. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. John McKechnie and Mario Puig hanging out with you. It is the opening of the NFL season. We finally made it. We made it through the doldrums of the offseason. All the combine stuff, all the draft stuff, all the OTA stuff. It's all behind us. Training camp, preseason, it's over. We're finally here. Your drafts, they're probably finished. Maybe you're finishing one more best ball this afternoon just to get that last share of Jalen Hurts before the season starts. But other than that, it's go time. The it's, the time is now, Mario. So how are you feeling on this Thursday now that the NFL is officially, officially, officially back in action? Uh, a little scared. Uh, I've, I've been on the log ride before, but I, I still get scared every time we're about to go over that. That one drop, and uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be a good week, one, a good opening game. Hopefully, uh, we got a little bit of drama on either side, but not too much with injuries. And you know, the we got the Super Bowl winner on one side, uh, a very trendy Super Bowl twenty twenty two, uh, yeah, twenty twenty two winner in the Bills. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it's entertaining, and uh, hopefully, hopefully a lot of aberrational things happen for people to do victory laps on that, uh, you know, don't apply in a, a week from now, but they can still get a lot of retweets over. Yeah. I told you that Gabriel Davis was bad. You know, if, if he has like four catches and one Bryson Hopkins couldn't catch uh, two passes for 33 yards, but he did. Yeah. Miss me with that. Um, so, so yeah, t- tonight I'm sure what will be a lot of fun. Let's get into it actually, as, as we kick off, uh, breaking down each game of the NFL slate for this week. So uh, Bills, two and a half point favorites over on BetMGM going up against the Rams. Of course, this one in Los Angeles. And like you alluded to, the Bills are 
the the trading Super Bowl favorites going up against the re- uh, defending Super Bowl champs. Yeah, and they were opened at they opened at one point favorites. Now it's up to two and a half, I believe, or at least last night it was. So very popular to pick the Bills. Uh, I was a little surprised by that, but I, I guess uh, you know they've they've got some things that the Rams don't. I just I just don't really know what uh i mean they got they got josh allen and i guess that's the main source of it he's he's gonna be big in the showdown slate of course because he can kind of take the bills running game in addition to the the upwards of 40 pass attempts that he could throw in this one uh it's just that the bills being without tradavius white they might be a little strained trying to account for cooper cup and Allen robinson so uh if stafford's elbow is fine and it seems like it is seems like he should be able to gun it out with them. Uh, I guess the biggest concern for the Rams is they, they lack depth basically everywhere. Uh, they they don't have depth at receiver because Van Jefferson is out, which means some combination of Ben Scourdick, Tutu Atwell, and again, Bryson Hopkins are going to have to take some reps. Uh, I think Atwell's going to be a pretty tough matchup for the Bills' defense. And it's kind of funny because I, I think he's just like a total, you know, nobody as a prospect. And it, it was trendy going out of his draft for people who don't actually watch football and don't know how it works, but understand the concept of draft capital. They're like, he's a big steal. You're going to want Tutu Atwell. Uh, if, if, At, if Atwell catches so much as like a 30-yard pass in this game, those are the people who are going to get a 1,000 retweets uh, saying like, I told you to buy Atwell and you didn't listen. Uh, so yeah, Atwell might have to step up though because uh, Van Jefferson played a lot of snaps last year, took a lot of targets. And, um, you know, the, the, the Bills have a little bit more depth at receiver. So, so maybe that's uh, what, what sways people in addition to the Allen effect, but it uh, seems like they ought to be able to trade punches to me. I don't know. Yeah. I think it, it is tough with, with that, um, that depth concern. And, and, you know, whereas the Rams on one side, like you, you know where the ball's going more often than not, it's, it's going to be going in, in Cooper cups direction. And with, with Trey white um, being sidelined for this one, you know, how much, defensive bandwidth are they going to have to spend on on slowing him and then you know on the other side if they if they do you know kind of end up being able to bracket and you know limit what what cup's able to do you know how much can those other rams receivers pass catchers uh you know make the bills pay for it i think that 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 to me is is the biggest storyline um in in this particular game you know i I don't feel like the the bills are going to have a whole lot of trouble scoring here i know the rams have a good defense even though don't have von miller anymore he's playing on the other side of this one. Uh, I think the bills are just, they're ready to go. They're, they're coming into this season, you know, with a bad taste in their mouth coming off of how things ended in Kansas city a year ago or, you know, eight months ago. And I just, I'm buying the bills. I I just really don't see a ton of, uh, you know, the type of weaknesses that are going to undo them in the long run. And I think that, you know, getting to make a statement on the opening night of the season against the defending Super Bowl champions. I think the bills are positioned to, to go ahead and, and make that statement. So I, I do like them to, to win this one. Yeah, it could be, uh, I guess um, it'll be interesting to see how they sort the playing time out between Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie, like a, a popular theory of the Gabe Davis haters uh, about four or five months ago was that Jamison Crowder is going to get 130 targets. You idiots. Gabe Davis is going to get like uh, 50 or 60 Jameson Crowder is going to take all the targets, but now we've got this swelling Isaiah McKenzie hype, and now now McKenzie's kind of like the the, tr- the trendy slot projection for the Bills. But uh, I think it might be like nobody, neither side is happy kind of thing, where they sort of split uh, a forty snap workload every week and and uh, make everybody mad. But it should be 
you know, uh, effective for the Bills offense, even if neither of them turns in anything for fantasy. I do love Gabe Davis, by the way, I think, including in this game. Uh, not that we know how Ramsey's going to be used. Ramsey might shadow Diggs. He might not. Uh, if he shadows Diggs, Davis is going off. And I don't know. T. Higgins was the guy who beat Ramsey in the Super Bowl. And obviously Davis isn't quite that big, but he's got that kind of, you know, catch point dog in him. So maybe even he can get something on Ramsey if he has to. Yeah, that, that, that will be interesting to see how, how the Rams deploy Ramsey because, yeah, there, there are two very, very legit threats in, in Davis and Diggs on, on uh, the other side when it comes to the Bills. And, you know, as it, as it pertains to the, to the slot question in Buffalo, I like Isaiah McKenzie. I'm a Georgia Bulldog. I've always been a fan of Isaiah McKenzie, but I just don't think that he has the frame to necessarily be someone that, that draw, draws like a particularly high target volume like I think he's an interesting guy that you get into the mix once in a while when the defense is so attuned you hand to, him the ball yeah you hand him the ball and get the ball in his he hands can do sure. some things with it but it's like it just doesn't scale up he doesn't have that it's funny uh Jameson Crowder is a tiny receiver and he's 12 pounds heavier than Isaiah McKenzie like right that's exactly. a big difference even though Crowder is still a tiny receiver yeah so uh you know the 12 pounds you know on the percentage of of the overall body weight for for those two guys like that's that's a pretty significant um, difference uh, between those two. Uh, let's kick things on over to Sunday. Here in, in uh, my backyard here in Atlanta, we got the Falcons playing host to the Saints. Always an interesting game. Uh, you know, rivalry, a lot of juice, but you know, that some of the cast of characters that we've grown accustomed to seeing over the years, no longer there. Obviously, Breeze was gone last year. Now Matt Ryan gone from the equation in this one. The, the Saints have been five and a half point favorites in this one for the bulk of the summer. It hasn't moved a whole lot. At one point, it was four and a half, but uh, pretty much settled in at five and a half as we get ready for for the season to start. So, is this a Saints team that you trust with that many points on the road, even against the Falcons? I guess that that's the ultimate litmus test. Right. It's uh, there's a, there's a few things going on. I mean, I, I saw that Dennis Allen supposedly would not commit excuse me to Michael Thomas playing in this game with that hamstring issue that he's had for I feel like it's been a few weeks uh sorry I should have looked it up I feel like it's it's been almost a month now that he's been kind of uh sketchy after a, an initially encouraging start to training camp uh but Thomas was listed as a limited participant yesterday so generally a guy who's so much as limited on Thursday in Thomas's position is more likely to play than not if he's in there then the Saints actually, I think, quietly have a quite have quite a bit of firepower on offense. I mean, not just because obviously Kamara being in there, not suspended, uh, that's that's enough for the Falcons defense to deal with. But giving Jameis Winston all of Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, uh, Jarvis Landry is going to be a tough one in that game. Like the the oh, what the hell? Uh, the Falcons have AJ Terrell and uh, Casey Hayward, and Casey Hayward might be their slot guy with Isaiah Oliver hurt, but it seems more likely that Casey Hayward now pushing 33 or whatever, and, and only being like a four five, five guy as it was coming out of Vanderbilt. Uh, he's going to be outside on, I don't know. They, they could, they could choose to have Terrell shadow Michael Thomas. Uh, they, they only used Terrell on one side last year until something like the last three or four weeks. And then they let him shadow uh, some really good receiver. I can't remember who, but he, Terrell did really well with that. If they consider Thomas to be a much bigger threat than Olave, they might have Terrell shadow Thomas, in which case that would be really tough for Thomas. I don't think Thomas wins that one. 
And Olave is no guarantee to beat Hayward if it comes to it. But I bet he does. Uh, at least Hayward now. You know, it's Hayward eight years ago. That's a different question. But Hayward now, yeah. Olave should be able to beat him. And Jarvis Landry running against Darren Hall in the slot. That's a big mismatch. That's not even uh, accounting for uh, what's it, Deontay Hardy, who can do the kill shot within, you know, 20 snaps in any given game. I think he had big games against the Falcons last year, too. So there's a lot of receivers. Uh, whoever's on Terrell is probably not doing anything. But the the Falcon, or the Saints have upwards of three other targets who have big advantages here. So the, the Saints should be able to score. The question is how much the Saints defense has left and, and how much the Falcons offense might have improved. Uh, if Drake London's in, that would certainly be helpful. It would be concerning if he isn't. Um, not for London, really. It's it, he'd be back the next week, is all. But it, it would be tough for the for the Falcons to stress these very good Saints corners if they don't have Drake London. What's interesting though is as good as those corners are, and as much as they have clear advantages over the Falcons receivers, if one of those corners is on Kyle Pitts, he can a still beat any of them, I think, and b if any of those corners is not on Pitts, then it means. Some uh, we don't know uh, what's going on with Marcus May. I guess the the Saints safety he had that gun charge or something. Mm. Uh, if he's out, then they also just traded Chauncey Gardner Johnson, of course, who's who's main slot guy and can do some safety looks. So the part of the field where Pitts might run the most is all of a sudden a bit of a question mark for the Saints. Whereas last year, they had Marcus Williams too. Last year, that was a huge difference. Like that was a that was a definite definite strength. Now it might not be if. Marcus Mariota can get Kyle Pitts going. I think the rest can fall into place here. And uh, I think it could be a good DFS target as long as, you know, we need we need Mariota to not get hit too much. And the Saints do have three good pass rushers, at least. It's not going to be easy. But if Pitts can take the game over, I think the, the Falcons can make a real game of it. Yeah, I, I like the Falcons to somehow fi- find a way to, to keep this one reasonably competitive. And, you know, those question marks that you brought up on, on the Saints side, uh, really interesting um, as it pertains to, you know, season long lineup decision. Are you starting Olave regardless? And if Michael Thomas is out, it, does that somehow actually become a problem uh, for Olave in the sense that he might get the, the Terrell treatment? It could be. I mean, he if I was the Falcons, I'd put Terrell on Olave for sure. I mean, I might do that even if Thomas is playing. Because, uh, you know, Casey Hayward can get beat by Thomas, I'm sure. But when you get beat by Thomas, it's, you know, a 12-yard first down. If you get beat mm-hmm. by Olave, it's six points. So, uh, yeah, it could be a tough matchup for Olave. I, I will say I'm glad that all my shares of his are in best ball. Uh, I, it, it is not going to be the easiest thing in the world to guess when he goes off. Uh, so it's hopefully, I guess, people have, like, viable four wide receiver builds where, where they can just put him in the flex or something and have the have good enough running backs to to carry it otherwise but yeah if he gets Terrell that's going to be a, a brutal week one and if he has any success against Terrell it's, it's time to uh make even uh, it, it's time to make the the rookie of the year odds very stingy on Olave if he so much as gets to like 50 yards on AJ Terrell yeah no that that would be extremely impressive I really then, like the uh, setup for Jarvis Landry though if, if you okay. if you're in a position of having to start Jarvis Landry this week I, I think you uh you know, you want to change that over the longer term, but this is the week, if any, to have to start Jarvis Landry. Good call there. And then uh, last uh, fantasy thing to, to touch on, Cordero Patterson. It's a tough matchup on paper. I mean, I, I think he had that one long, he had like a that six catch for a 120-yard game against them. And it's probably sprung on one big play last year. 
it's a tough on paper matchup in no small part because the Falcons offensive line probably sucks and the Saints defensive line. I don't, I don't know much about a guy like shy Tuttle, um, but Cam Jordan, even though he's aging is last year. Anyway, he was still totally dominant. Uh, Peyton Turner got hurt last year, but he looks totally good. Uh, what's his name? Davenport gets hurt all the time, but if he doesn't, he's all of a sudden like a 15 sack guy. So there's a lot that can go wrong at, at the point of attack for the Falcons. And that's, that's how they would fall apart. It's, it's, it's easy enough to imagine it. But one thing that's interesting, I forgot to mention before, not just uh, as far as the center of the field coverage goes, it's not just that they traded Chauncey Gardner Johnson and that Marcus may, I don't know what's going on with him, but Demario Davis has been like a total shutdown guy in the middle of the field for the saints. And he may well still be one this year, but age is cro- uh, creeping up on him. I think he's 33 now, or he might be 34 in something like January or something like that. Super toolsy guy, so he can he can age better than a lot of players, but they've been as good as they've been on defense with the constant variable of DeMario Davis playing at a dominant level. And if he so much as loses a step, th- that could have been like, you know, the, the, fab- the, the thread kind of holding it all together. It might be tearing a little bit. And if you can get them to just kind of break a little bit, everything else is liable to get renegotiated too. Everything else can be, uh, you know, compromised to some extent. And it is mostly Demario Davis who matters for Corderell as far as getting mm-hmm. that yard, getting into the open field and, and pulling away from the defense as a pass catcher. So uh, it's it's a tough matchup for Corderell. I'm not going to start him on my NFFC team where I have. Uh, what was it? I got Elijah Mitchell and uh, Travis Etienne, Elijah Mitchell, and Antonio Gibson. I have on my NFFC team, and I'm going to I'm going to start them over Corderell. Uh, but if I had to start Corderell in a flex spot, I, I wouldn't be gloomy about it. But the disclaimer is, I'm probably you know a lot higher on Corderell and uh, the Falcons' offense than most people. Okay, all right. So that <clears throat> that that was a good you know breakdown, especially uh, you know when it comes to th- this matchup and, and Demario Davis, uh, him being a key to to slowing. A, Slowing down CP and, you know, if the Falcons offensive line is able to show any semblance of a pulse, uh, especially relative uh, to where it was a year ago, where it was, you know, obviously a, a huge undoing, especially when when you have a statue quarterback uh, similar, like Matt Ryan. That I think it was smart of them to, to go after mobile guys like Mariota and like Desmond Ritter. I think that, that that can help smooth it over a little bit. I don't think it they fixes also, everything. Uh, but. They benched two of last year's bums. I guess uh, Hennessy, the center, might get back in the starting lineup. It's not like the the guy replacing him looks great or anything. And Jalen Mayfield's on IR technically, but it looked like he had been benched in favor of Elijah Wilkerson, who also probably sucks. But he, <laughs> if, as long as he's better than Mayfield, and it, it's easy to be better than Mayfield was last year, mm-hmm. you know, any little bit helps. Yes. Okay. So we'll be on the on the lookout for that one. Uh, I'm excited for it, for that game, even if it might not be drawing uh, a ton of nat- uh, national uh, interest. Let's hit a couple of rapid fire uh, start sick questions that have been patiently sitting here in our queue. Appreciate everyone watching the live stream, of course. And if you're catching this on, on the pod afterward, appreciate your listening as well. Uh, Frederick wants to know Pickens, Dubs, or both this week. Uh, sorry. Uh, the Bengals and through the pa- uh, I would go Dubs, but uh, I love Pickens, of course. I just hate that situation. If if Deontay Johnson is out, I, I don't know what the likelihood of that is. I guess he had some shoulder thing. If Deontay Johnson's out, maybe then you go with Pickens. But if Deontay okay. Johnson is in, I think I go with Dubs. 
All right, noted. And then uh, Rodgers or Burrow. So kind of dovetailing off that question a, a little bit. Um, I, uh, Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Man, I like Burrow by, I, by a decent chunk, honestly. I get it. I have Burrow on my NFFC team, and I've, I've gone overthinking this one already because he didn't do that well against the Steelers last year. And uh, the Steelers' offense, I think, is going to be a. I, th- I think the Steelers get just totally lit up in this game. Uh, I'm worried about the defense having a little bit. To, their their run defense was the worst in the league last year, so Joe Mixon could get hot pretty easily. And I I think if the Bengals get two scores, it's not really in their nature to run it up by throwing it. So I kind of, I think I would go with Rodgers, but like you know, adding the disclaimer that that's kind of a maybe belligerent thing to do. I, I just I think the Vikings being at home are likely to be pretty good on offense, even though the Packers defense looks pretty tough. And if Kirk Cousins gets to, you know, 280 and two touchdowns that I think Rodgers playing on the road uh, has, has to throw more passes than he would at Lambeau, for instance. And I, I worry about the pass attempt falling with Burrow, too, in addition to, uh, you know, him just not being the guy who scores touchdowns, even if the Bengals do score a lot of touchdowns. Well, uh, as someone who got victimized twice last year by the Bengals running it up. I, I, I disagree with your premise on them being petty and, and not doing that. Um, I, I think it's well within their nature to, to go ahead. If they, if they see that opening, they are going to, uh, I mean, it's a little different when you have TJ Watt and Cam Hayward out there to, uh, make you think twice about it. I mean, the, the Ravens were kind of toothless, but anyway, yeah, I, I, for whatever it's worth, I, I, I lean Rodgers this time, and I'm pretty sure it's the only week this year I would feel that way. Got it. And then, let's see, a couple more. Uh, Delroy wants to know, uh, Tony or Ayuk this week? Uh, I guess we got to worry about, is is Tony practicing yet? I didn't even notice. Um, I think if Tony's in, in the, and if he's not, you know, obviously limited, I would he is clear his... of the injury report, according to one rotowire.com. Yeah, he's not. I just looked too. He's not on the injury report. I think I'd go with Tony. I mean, I know Ayuk's interesting and people got a lot of hope for him, but I worry that that Bears 49ers game could go pretty quickly. I think both teams could run a lot in that one. And in the Bears case, I expect them to play low tempo too. So. Uh, the Bears might do annoying things where they take up like seven and a half minutes on a 40 yard drive where they punt, you know, <laughs> so I, I do worry about that with the 49ers game. And I I think they they just don't need to throw much to take care of the Bears. Yes. Uh, th- throwback to, to the college game from last weekend. But Rutgers uh, had a first and goal that turned into a punt. Uh, the Bears could do that in the NFL. Um, I, thought you were, I was I was ready for a first and goal that turned into like a, a safety on an illegal grounding call. <laughs> they were ch- if they got like two more downs, it definitely could have happened. And if if the Bears find a way, uh, they they certainly um, could a- as well. Uh, we'll we'll pause it for now on uh, the the questions. We'll we'll obviously get back to more of them as, as the show goes on, but. First, we got a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're heading on third game here. Uh, Indianapolis going down to Houston to face the Texans. Indy seven point favorites in this one on the road. The Matt Ryan era begins in Indianapolis. Your thoughts. So when I was talking about how I, I'm overthinking Burrow this week with my NFFC team, the alternative that I'm considering is Matt Ryan. And I think I'm going to end up going with Burrow, but it's so tempting to me just because I think, well, well first of all, it's, it's six points per passing touchdown. And I, I think uh, we expect the Colts to probably score a decent amount of points in this game. Maybe the Texans defense overachieves, I guess. They're definitely better at corner than they've been in a long time. I just don't think that was ever, you know, relevant with this matchup. It's like they're going to get just lit up in the trenches. And anytime that's the case, the, the team that's dominating at the point of attack is, is going to kind of just roll. Uh, then again, the, the Colts, if they do put up a lot of points, it's like they could you know, get two touchdowns from Taylor, a touchdown from Hines on the ground. Uh, I guess I, I guess I'd be surprised if they had more than three rushing touchdowns. But if Ryan only throws one touchdown and they're at 28 and they get two field goals, like 34 to 13, you know, it's, it's a blowout and Ryan still doesn't do anything. So I'll probably go with Burrow there, but I, I do, I am drawn by, uh, by just like the, the point total uh, on the Colts side there. Uh, the problem is too, it's like, we don't have much reason in my opinion to think the Texans offense does a whole lot to push the issue. Uh, I mean, Davis Mills, for whatever it's worth, I mean, he definitely surprised me last year. I didn't think he would do, as well as he did last year. And yet I think we've seen cases like his in the past sour uh, with, with when the exposure continues, like a, an extreme recent case, I guess, being like Gardner Minshew, not that Mills is doomed to that, but last year was, was encouraging, but not necessarily meaningful. And you know, I, I like Nico Collins, but I don't think he matches up very well with these corners, at least not on the outside. He doesn't. So uh, Damian Pierce, I know he's, he's, 
pretty much the most hyped, the, uh, the, the most uh, relatively hyped player in recent weeks with the seeming announcement that he's the starting running back. Uh, but this is, this is a pretty tough matchup with him, even without uh, Shaq Leonard out there. Colts got a pretty nasty interior defense with Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner. Like DeForest Buckner alone is, is a nasty interior defense. So Grover Stewart's like a proper double team guy too. Um, I, th- I think this might be a, a sluggish game for the Houston offense. And, and I think the Texans might be kind of comfortable all game. And, and I, don't, I don't know if they really need to f- get anybody's numbers run up in this one. Okay. All right. That, that all makes sense to me. Yeah. I could, I could certainly see this one. Um, you know, ter- ter- when you laid it out as far as, you know, Taylor getting a couple scores, uh, Heinz jumping in for, for one and then, you know, Pitt- Pittman probably, Catches one, and then there you have it, and that's probably too much for for this. I do Texas like Mo Ali Cox in this one. Uh, if the, if if Stingley's playing tough against Pittman, if if uh, they have some other corner that's pretty good that I can't remember, uh, but yeah, I, I expect them to be in scoring range quite a bit. And anytime the the, the Colts are are throwing in scoring range, I think Mo Ali Cox is gonna uh, pop up. Well, speaking of of Mo Ali Cox, got got kind of a deep dive question here for, from okay. Gasan. Jelani Woods, is he worth picking up in redraft? I don't think so, and I'm I'm like the guy that likes Jelani Woods. Only the two most. tight end, only two tight end, and even then, it's like maybe not. And you certainly don't have to, but yeah, he's. I don't think Woods is doing anything to personally. No, yeah, not this year anyway. Very, very, very developmental um, is kind of the most uh, charitable. He took a long I, I while to catch that. on in college. To he needed like three years. I'll blame I'll blame Mike Gundy for that one, and uh, and I'll sing the praises of of one Bronco Mendenhall for for using him properly because once he got used properly, he was awesome. He was also old at that point too, and it's I don't know. Anyway, I I think uh, Woods is interesting, and he, he's you know he's a he's very athletic for a two hundred and sixty pounder. It's just uh, the reports on him in training camp were pretty discouraging. It sounds like he has a long way to go. Yeah. So uh, for for more Jelani Woods talk, go back to our April episodes. Um, <laughs> of which there there are many um let's go jags commanders commanders two and a half point favorites in this one am i crazy to think the jet yeah it's uh, opened at four interesting um yes so that's moved a bit uh, away from the commanders hey John, am i crazy to, to think go on sorry uh, it says that uncovers 38 percent of the bets are on the jags um and yet the the the, the washington being picked 62 percent of the time uh, the spread is dropped by one and a half points. Is that so? That's like big money bet, or a disproportionate number of uh, size bets are on the Jags, right? That's kind of interesting. I would have yeah, fig- so- figured the fish position would be thinking that you know the Jags win. Like maybe there was some kind of trap about going to Washington in Week One that the veteran betters know about. But uh, yeah, Washington sucks. They they are a crap crap team, and they they probably have bad morale because Jack Del Rio is a buffoon and no one respects him, and he's an embarrassment and. Uh, <laughs> So I think there was like one coach who might have like left the team over it. I can't remember who it was. Um, anyway, they're they're uh, they are not nearly good enough as a team and not nearly uh, disciplined enough as a culture to to deal with all of this stuff going on while they're and Carson Wentz is their quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say their their criminal owner is like hiding on a yacht in uh, whatever like the Dead Sea or something, and uh, their criminal quarterback uh, is. I don't know, just just the worst. He's he's a. Can you imagine being on a team that stupid that sucks that much and having a locker room lawyer like Carson Wentz? Just every, only bad things are going on, and every bad thing is not Carson Wentz's fault. It has to be someone else's. 
even if you're Terry McLaurin, something's your fault because Carson's not it's not his fault. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's gonna work. Uh, I think the Jags really do have a, 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 the opposite of a hangover when you uh, fire Urban Meyer. Uh, the the the, the Urban Meyer clean. The, the Urban Meyer euphoric unhangover, uh, and they they get to you know hopefully do a little beating on this just completely evil organization that just should be, uh, you know, destroyed basically. Yeah. I like, you know, it's the price isn't as good as I would have liked it to be, but it's, it's plus plus one fifteen at bet MGM, but I'd take the Jags money line. I think here. I love ETN this week. He's pretty cheap on DraftKings. Uh, those inside linebackers for Washington are crap. Uh, that Jamin Davis was a bad pick. He can't do anything. Uh, what was the other? Oh, uh, Holcomb or whatever. He can't run with someone like ETN. I don't know if Cameron Curl is still hurt. I saw there was something with him a couple weeks ago. Um, but anyway, uh, th- this this Washington defense is still talented in the front four. They got they got some pass rushers for sure. It's not exactly going to be easy for Trevor Lawrence, but uh, I just think yeah, Washington Kirk- is cursed and and marked uh by the beast and i, I think uh Tr- trevor trevor is a jedi he is the chosen one the, the story has to start somewhere and why not here there it is I, I i love that call are you starting james robinson this week um if i have to i don't feel bad about it at all it's just one of those things like if, if you have james robinson he might be your fifth running back or something because especially if you drafted mm-hmm. earlier this offseason people are acting like a, he sucks, and B, uh, he'll never play again, uh, neither of which is true. So uh, the, the market got that one a bit wrong, and, and, and you might you might have a tough lineup call to make. I don't know how you call some of them. You know, like, I don't think I'm starting him over someone like – I know I'm not starting him over someone like Antonio Gibson or Josh Jacobs, but it's like someone's probably got a tough decision to make, especially some zero RB team that has James Robinson. They're looking like, like him and Michael Carter. I'd probably go Robinson in that kind of case. Okay. All right. So that good context, good perspective there. Uh, before we get on over to our next mess or uh, next game, got a message from our friends over at Hoffer. Hoffer proudly brings you fantasy sports in your complete control. Goodbye are the days of salary caps and house-based games. Instead, say hello to simple fan-made custom contests on Hoffer. You create contests on your own terms. You pick the entry fee. You pick the number of seats. You pick the athletes. You pick the stats. You pick it all. Choose between uh, one of Hoffer's 12 different game plays, then set the basic contest terms, then write the multiple choice questions, which can be as easy as more passing yards between Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Let your sports imagination run wild. It's only contests made by fans for fans on Hoffer. All contests feature live leaderboards to track your progress during the game and full player transparency to see who you are competing against. Unlock a $50 deposit bonus and earn an additional $10 for each friend you invite. It's a whole new world in the DFS game, and Hoffer is at the head of the pack. So don't wait. Download Hoffer right now. That's H-O-F-R, and challenge your friends today. We also got a message from our friends over at Vivid Seats. E-football fans, get your jerseys on and your tailgate snacks ready. That's right. NFL season is back, and so is your chance to score tickets with Vivid Seats. Download the Vivid Seats app or visit vividseats.com to see your team's schedule, compare tickets, and secure your spot in the stands. 
As the only ticketing company with a rewards program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets, then cash it in to catch more games all season long. With tickets from Vivid Seats, you'll go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to VividSeats.com or find us in the App Store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium. All right, onward, Mario, as we continue our week one breakdown. Eagles, Lions, this one uh, th- this one sticks out to, to me from last year because I thought that I thought I was drinking the Lions Kool-Aid a little bit last year. And I thought that, you know, this was mid to late October. It's like, you know what? I think the Lions can, can put up a fight here. The Eagles completely eviscerated the Lions in Detroit. Does the same thing happen this time around? We're, we're seeing Eagles uh, minus four on the road in this one. The Lions obviously kind of offseason darlings coming off of I think what one of the best, if not the best, hard knocks uh, seasons ever. One that I, I think everyone has kind of bought in. Everyone's in on on him, man. So I don't know. What, it was, what are you it thinking? was pretty funny how much. Uh, I guess I guess those analytics guys still probably hate him because he. Oh yeah. Wear fealty. <laughs> they have to. Nothing. They have to put on like it's like the you know the the meme where the guy's wearing the smiling face mask, but, but behind it he's like scream crying. Like that. Oh, that's what the analytics people are doing when think... they when they say Dan Campbell's cool. Yeah, it's almost like a the mask is crying too, though. Uh, they're they're just anyway. Uh, yeah, they they need complete fealty, and anything less than that is just intolerable. And Man Campbell, uh, he he smashes your stupid calculator. He doesn't care uh, about your nerd uh, Pinkerton nonsense. Uh, so he 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 is he is not, he is an enemy. And Andrew Barry and Quayse or whatever his name is are the good guys, uh, especially if they give uh, them jobs. But uh, in any case, uh, let's see, where were we? I got the, I got the Lions defense looking pretty rough in this one. Uh, I don't know how they I don't know how they really get much going on defense. It's just it's starting from scratch. They got a ways to go still on offense, though. That's where it gets interesting. And it's why I like this game a lot for DFS. Like you see, the, the line has already jumped two points. Uh, maybe I should see that as like a, a cause for concern. Like if it's that obvious, maybe. Maybe it's actually a bit of a, a trap or something. But the the thing that could be different from last year is that the Detroit offense might be able to hold its own a little bit. Might. Like I'm I'm thinking that that Eagles defense could be pretty tough. They got especially if James Bradbury and Darius Slay both stay healthy. Those two are are really tough for number one type receivers. It's like Slay can kind of he can stick with those Amari Cooper types. Uh Bradbury can match up with the the really big receivers. They got they got some Good players there. They added Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's an upgrade over Avante Maddox in the slot. They might get a little bit better linebacker play. That's mostly just because the linebackers were incredibly bad in recent years. It's it's not because they're necessarily good now. But adding, uh, excuse me, Jordan Davis to that defensive line is really interesting. Uh, I think that could make the Eagles really, really tough because uh, they got some good defensive linemen waiting to break loose. Uh, with him drawing the double teams. I just don't know if it's going to happen in this game because the, the Lions might have the best offensive line in the whole league. So I think they might be able to kind of hold off what will otherwise be a surging Philadelphia pass rush. And I think those linebackers might still be bad enough that basically DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson dice them up all game in the passing game and Swift can get something going as a runner too. So I think, I think, uh, I don't know where the big plays are going to come from for the Lions offense. I guess I, I can't really see that. I can't see a uh, uh, DJ Chark can, can get open deep on these guys. I just don't think Goff can get them, get it there. Uh, so they're going to have to kind of move the ball with, you know, 
Swift and, and Hawkinson dicing them up and moving the chains. Uh, the Eagles side, you can see them making big plays because A.J. Brown against these corners uh, may be an all-time laugher. And it's it's a reason to, to seriously consider A.J. Brown in DFS, I think. And, and I know there's theoretically a limited ceiling with him because the usage is already small. You're, you're big play dependent to start with. And then what if what if it is like last year? What if the Lions do just lay an egg on offense? In that case, A.J. Brown probably is not doing a whole lot, admittedly. But if the Lions offense makes this a game, A.J. Brown can just kind of go to question mark against these guys. How much A.J. Brown exposure do you have in best ball? I feel like I'm I'm perilously light on on A.J. Brown. Yeah, um, I don't have that much. But I, I don't regret that. I, I think his, his price was pretty high. I don't think you anyone who needs I don't think anyone who picks him need to regret taking him though. I think it's one of those things like he will come through. I think it was just one of those prices that was marked near the ceiling. It, but a ceiling he will meet, you know? It's like I I, there, I know we want to get the the huge profit margin picks all the time, like Cooper Cup last year, but it's also good to make just a totally solid third round pick or late second round pick, you know. It's like even if even if he's not giving you a top twelve return from your 25th overall pick, it's also good to take the 25th best guy at the 25th pick. And, and I think A.J. Brown is more or less that in in, re, in a best ball. And in redraft, even for the consistency inconsistency points, it doesn't matter. It's just you're just starting him every week. So I love him in any format. I just kind of – I was, I guess, going after like T. Higgins or something like that or like maybe Saquon Barkley earlier this offseason. Yeah, but yeah, Barkley used to be around there. I think even even Kamara was kicking around uh, early to yeah, mid-third round yeah. for, for a bit. Um, let's get on over, uh, Patriots, Dolphins, Dolphins, three and a half point favorites at home in this one going up against the Pats who, you know, the, the, the line coming out of, of Foxborough all training camp was pretty doom and gloom. Obviously we saw some pretty doom and gloom stuff coming out of Cincinnati, uh, last year. And that, that ended up being a little different, but, uh, I, even though that we got the parallel, the second year quarterback coming in. I don't see the upside when it when it comes to this Patriots team. I don't I don't know if that offense can even make it to middle them. of the pack. I think they're gonna suck. Uh, they so the difference between that Bengals thing and this this Patriots training camp report is that all the Patriots beat writers were saying, "Oh, we've never seen anything like this. This has not happened in the Patriots practices over the years. There's nothing like it." And you could say like, well, it's because they're putting in this new scheme or whatever, but they they must have installed new things over the years. And there was never apparently a period in any of those cases where the team beat writers said, oh, this is this is awful. They look like crap. Like that's only something they said this year. And there wasn't big turn or uh, personnel turnover on offense. There was, however, on defense a little bit. And I'm pointing this out because basically all those times that the Patriots offense looked better in the past than it did in this training camp, the defense they were practicing against was better than the one they were practicing against this year. Like JC Jackson is gone. Dante Hightower is gone. And I I know he's not an interesting player to anybody, but Dante Hightower was kind of like the structural detail in that entire defense. He was this weird, he played this weird position for them that no one else does anywhere in the league where he's like a defensive tackle inside linebacker hybrid. And without him there, you might see their run defense look a little sketchy. And I know it wasn't even great to start with, but they've got all this, these moving parts on defense. Like Judon's the only real standout player anymore. I, I guess, you know, whatever that Duggar is pretty good or uh, Barmore is really good. But other than that, they're just kind of losing steam. And 
why would we have any why would we make any leap of faith when the people who are in charge of this installment this new offense that they're working on is a guy who is not an offensive mind of any sort Matt Patricia he's, he's the bad defensive coordinator that's his deal he's bad at defense they have him running the offense along with Joe Judge who's basically just this you know tattletale guy who who who, who kind of like climbs up into positions of authority because he he just kind of uh He's like the the kind of bully who who gets in the face of like little people. And he's he's like this fake tough guy who who ran special teams with while branding himself as this this you know disciplinarian you know you know strong jawed man. And it turns out he's basically just a total fraud and no one respects him. And like these are the two guys we're expecting to dig them out of this. I don't see it. Uh, I think I think the pay I think the Patriots are awful. And in some some part of me thinks wants Bill Belichick to be the first coach to pull uh, Avante Davis in the middle of a game. Just, <laughs> it's like we you know five this is over. Come out from halftime and like we can't find Bill Belichick. Um, that's that's he should he should do it. Like this is gonna suck in my opinion. But that said, the Dolphins are pretty goofy too. I have no idea what to make of them. Uh, their defense should be pretty tough. It's just that. You know, Flores, Brian Flores is a good defensive minded coach. And I don't know if they're going to, especially some of the complex schemes he was running. I don't think they're going to get that stuff going quite, but they've got conventionally good personnel, especially if the Patriots offense is as bad as it's apparently looked. So uh, I could imagine this being a pretty low scoring game if the, if the Dolphins offense can't get anything going. And um, that's also easy to imagine uh, the the Dolphins offense struggling. So I, I don't know, this could be an ugly game. Uh, let's see. Outside of the the usual suspects, is there anyone you're starting uh, from like the Dolphins' backfield? And, and would you even feel confident starting Tua this week in one quarterback league? I wouldn't want to leagues? start Tua, but Edmonds I think is pretty. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say matchup proof in PPR, but pretty close. Because think of how easy it would be for Tua to have a dreadful game and for Edmonds to catch five passes if they're if they're if the defense is giving all this respect deep to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle but Tua still can't take advantage of it. It almost necessarily means that Edmonds is somewhat not unaccounted for, but you know, not directly accounted for. And a defense will always let an offense have a seven yard catch to a running back on third and 10. And they might see that scenario a lot. So I like Edmonds almost regardless of who they're going against really. Okay. I dig it. I dig it when it comes to, to Edmonds and Only then in PPR though. And uh, Daniel wants to know uh, coming off this game, Amari Cooper or Ramondre Stevenson in the flex? I'd go Stevenson, but I uh, the disclaimer there is maybe I'm a little too critical of Jacoby Brissett. I don't know. I, I really don't think he can like, – like they might need to bench him next week or something. I, I think it could be that bad, and uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know if any receiver can deal with that. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be brutal up, up until November as far as that is concerned. Uh, grab a couple more questions here. Uh, Random wants to know uh, Allen Robinson, so pertinent for tonight, uh, Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman? Uh, nothing wrong with the other two, but I'd go with Robinson. Yep, I, I think I would as well. Um, forgot to get Delroy's uh, second question earlier. Um, Renfro or Robert Woods? Uh, I'd go Renfro. Uh, J.C. Jackson wasn't going to cover him, but J.C. Jackson being out means the Chargers need to uh, – basically retreat a little and I don't know how you stop Renfro by retreating your coverage you know it's like you got to get in his face and knock him around and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that and it should it could be a shootout 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I like that call. I'm really looking forward to, to that uh, Raiders uh, Chargers game. Uh, Thielen or Deontay Johnson? Let's assume that Deontay Johnson, you know, fully playing and everything like that. I mean, I feel like the conventional response would be Deontay Johnson, but I would go Thielen. The context here is, yes, I am lower on Deontay Johnson than most people, but I'm also higher on Thielen than most people. And I don't know. I I guess the way it would go wrong for Thielen is if, if for some reason the Vikings match him up against Jair Alexander every play, I I don't like that. I don't like Thielen that much, but if he's running against Stokes and whoever the slot corner is, I think Thielen in that projected shootout should should be pretty good. Uh, whereas in the in the Bengals and Steelers case, I see it as a, more like a one sided shootout. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, I don't know if Deontay Johnson's even going to get really like a fair shot with Trubisky. Yeah, that could could be ugly. Uh, as someone that has to start Trubisky in a, in a two quarterback league, I'm I'm feeling uh, quite queasy uh, to to say the least. Um, let's move on over a uh, couple of kind of. Maybe not not the best that this slate has to offer. We got the Niners, Bears, and Browns, Panthers. Niners seven point favorites in Chicago, and the and the uh, Panthers one and a half point uh, home favorites. That line, of course, has moved a decent bit in light of all of the quarterback development on on both sides of this particular matchup. So, your thoughts on these two? Seventy percent of the bets, according to covers, is on the Panthers, and yet that line is not moving. That's interesting. Um, I again, I just think Brissett is so bad that I can't see the Panthers blowing it. I don't know. Maybe they find a way anyway. Uh, the the Bears 49ers game, I, I was mentioning on the radio with Joe, I, I think this is a really, this is, this is a very predictable outcome. I think that after this game, you're going to see a ton of takes like Trey Lance sucks. We knew it. Trey Lance sucks. Uh, Cause he could, he could go like 11 of 20 for 140 yards in a interception in this game as a passer. And the 49ers could still win by like 14. I, I think uh, my background there, uh, for whatever it's worth, is that I'm extremely high on the 49ers defense. I think Demeco Ryans will be one of the next coveted head coaching hires. And I think his defense this year could be one of the best of the past few years. I think they're totally loaded. And uh, the Bears are the opposite of that, especially on offense. So I think the 49ers defense just totally wrecks them. And I think the 49ers run a lot don't really feel much pressure and uh Lance the, the times he does throw might look kind of ugly because and this is an ugly place to play uh the Bears defense I think might surprise some people in the secondary like I, th- I think Aberflus is probably a pretty good defensive coach even if he's gonna be a bad head coach even if the Bears suck like he'll have them coach well enough that they won't be just total no-shows on defense and uh, their corners are actually could be pretty good. I mean, I don't know that much about Kyler Gordon, but Jalen Johnson, in my opinion, is very good already. Eddie Jackson, I guess, could show up and have another nine interception season one of these years. I don't know, uh, but it's it's not the easiest matchup for Lance, I think, despite this being a overall pushover team that the Bears are. So, would you be so bold as to bet the under forty and a half? Um. Man, it's already down a point and a half. Uh, I would have liked it more at 42. I do see it turning out to be something like, uh, I guess we got the Robbie Gold revenge narrative that we have to think about Ooh, too. Yes. So, uh, maybe, My maybe, God, uh, he's still around. <laughs> maybe we get three field goals in this one or something. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking something like 27 or 28 to like, I don't know, nothing. <laughs> Seven, <laughs> something like that. 
All right, you heard it here uh, first, folks. And then um, let's let's get on over. Were there any other lingering thoughts on Browns Panthers before we keep going? Uh, I mean, I guess if if that if those disproportionate bets on the Browns are are based on the reasoning that Nick Chubb is is going to go nuclear, then then maybe we might want to think about him in DFS because uh, I we we do not need any convincing on Chubb's ability. I guess I just I, I can't think rationally about Jacoby Brissett, but maybe maybe Chubb can just kind of run for 200 yards, even if Brissett only throws for 75. Yeah, Chubb had a quote this week, which is rare to begin with. And I think it was like the most uh, pot-stirring thing that, that Chubb has ever said, where, you know, he obviously gets asked about Baker Mayfield. And he's like, well, we all know Baker, so, you know, he's going to show up or, so, you know, something along those lines. That's the kind equivalent of, like, of Nick Chubb. That's, that's Nick Chubb's equivalent of when he's going Jamal like fully Lewis. Antonio Brown. <laughs> no, when, when Jamal but Lewis was about to play the Browns and he said, I'm going to set the single game uh, rushing yardage record today against the Browns. That's that's basically Nick, Nick Chubb's version of saying that right there. Real, uh, real Rotowire NFL podcast. Uh, people know that I went to that game. But John was there. It's probably why it, was, it happened. That was that was legit. That was I think it was like eleven or something. But that was uh yeah first first that play eighty two yard touchdown. Day. If we had Twitter back then, people would have just there would have been just strokes <laughs> left and right. Oh my lord! Yeah, the the best. That was uh, that was the Browns. The halftime update on that one. It's like so. Uh, you might have remembered earlier we said Jamal Lewis said something about setting a rushing yard. Hey, he's got two hundred and fifty yards in the third quarter. <laughs> on like twelve carries, if yeah. that. Uh just absurd. All right, I'm on That's... Chubb now. It's happening. All right. Uh we are Chubb pilled. Uh speaking of the Ravens, uh they are going to New York to face the Jets. Mario, my my one piece of Joe Joe <laughs> Flacco attire. <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't quite figure out what your shirt was earlier, but I I didn't see enough of it to care either. But <laughs> that's a good shirt. Thank um, you. <laughs> yes, man, the drama, the the mm. the uh, yeah, the the, the pageantry, all of the intrigue. It. Yeah, um, <laughs> J- yeah, Joe probably sucks now. Uh, he might be better than Zach Wilson. I don't know. I. I I don't know what the Ravens' defense is either. It's tough for me to think them through. I mean, I expect Marlon Humphrey to bounce back after a kind of down year last year. And um, Marcus Williams is going to make them tough to throw to down the seam. So we'll see. Uh, Marcus Peters, is, is he coming back okay? Is everything good with him? He, he's been back practicing. Um, he's uh, questionable. He's been limited um, a, little, right. a little bit. So. I would um, you know, Humphrey Brandon to... Stevens might have to play a little bit more. I, I can't imagine that Peters gets like a full snap count. Right. I kind of expect then Humphrey to to almost shadow Elijah Moore. Uh, they they often use Humphrey as their main slot corner in recent years. Not not that he often shadowed, but if Elijah Moore is often in the slot anyway, they might as well just put Humphrey on him because he's so much more dangerous than the other receivers on that team, in my opinion. And if they can remove Elijah Moore or you know limit him. I think the Jets are just kind of reduced to a checkdown team, like running with Brees Hall and Michael Carter and checking down to them in the passing game. So, uh, like, I don't think Corey Davis matches up well with these kinds of corners, the, the, especially if they're pushing things to the outside effectively with Marcus Williams. And then they got these big corners uh, using the sideline aggressively as sort of like a, a 12th defender. It could be pretty tough to throw on them, especially outside and especially downfield. So, 
I don't expect Flacco to generate much yardage. Uh, maybe he gets like two touchdowns because the Jets get in scoring range at some point. But I think that if they're going to move the ball, I think they have to do it on the ground. I just I haven't trusted the Ravens to cover this number, and it, it's pretty much stayed stable at at uh, Ravens minus seven, uh, even after uh, the Wilson injury. I just the Ravens like what are they trying to do here? Like they they don't have any receivers other than one guy who's played half a season and we think might be pretty good. You got Mark Andrews and like, that's it. And then, so your whole thesis is built on the run game. Well, your run game is pretty sapped. You know, you might have to give Mike Davis a whole bunch of carries. Oh man. Like this, this feel, this has the makings of like a 17 to, to 13 Ravens win that, that no one feels good afterward. Yeah. I, you know, I've I've talked already too much about how much I hate every decision it seems like the the Ravens ever make, and uh, especially Greg Roman. I, I I think he's just a total liability. I think it's amazing that Lamar Jackson succeeds as much as he does with with a fool like Roman running things. But the Jets are still a pretty dumb team too. I don't know if Salah is really going to work out. It seems like they have a lot of drama. And I don't know why. Uh, but that doesn't mean the players don't like him. It could just you know, it's, it seemed like Mackie Becton doesn't like him, though. I don't know. That's something that it's 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 a little bit of a concern to me. So I think this is probably going to be an ugly game. I expect the Ravens to basically do the same thing they did last year, which is open every game looking awful on offense, because that's when Greg Roman is basically controlling the offense. And then they'll get to some point in the game where Lamar says, all right, I'm just going to run around now. And that's when, if ever, that they score any points or move the ball ever. And against this defense, he could run for a lot. I mean, that scenario happens all the time for the Ravens, and they still win most of their games because Lamar Jackson is who he is. And uh, he can take over a crap offense and make it look good, even if the people in charge are fools. Uh, I like his chances of doing that here. So uh, this is one of those settings where I almost would would wonder, like, does Lamar Jackson run for more yards than he throws for? Uh, Do you... Oh, sorry. I, I, I think it could be a huge game for Lamar, especially in fantasy, even if it's kind of ugly in real life. What do you make of the the bulked up Lamar? Do you think that do you have any concerns about him losing a little bit off that speed and uh, elusiveness as a result of him, you know, coming in, you know, significantly bigger uh, than he has been to this point in his career? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as much as Lamar is definitely very fast, some of his ability as a runner is actually just instincts like he's uh such a ghost with the football that it's not entirely explained just by how athletic he is i mean there's other players who are more or less as athletic as him he's just he's just totally on another level when it comes to manipulating space you know spatial intelligence is like he can just kind of instinctively like realize things and act on observations without consciously experiencing any of it he's like He's like Philip K. Dick's uh, golden man, where it's just like his instinct is he just uh, immediately calculates the one way out of any trap that he's in. And he, he's like flop, infallible uh, processing wise. So he always finds a way out. It's like that's just Lamar. He's just, you put like eight defenders around him and somehow he's past them and then no one really knows what happened. So if he starts taking hits because he's like, oh, I got all this muscle now I can take hits. That would concern me. I feel like that would show that he he actually him getting caught would be like the way that we see something changed, you know, even, mm-hmm. even as much of it as he runs, he never really gets hit that much. He jumps into piles sometimes, but he just has a way of not getting hit, even though he does. And uh, if he, if he's no longer able to 
to demonstrate that, then yeah, the, the bulking up probably didn't even help. But I don't know. I, I think he'll be fine. I think if anything, he was just like he's he was he should have bulked up a while ago. He was like a little skinnier than he should have been all this time. I think. Yeah, I mean, it, absolutely. I mean, he was just get the the MVP season. He got away with it because like no one was touching him just flat out. Period. Uh, basically, until that Tennessee game. Uh, last couple of years, obviously mi- missed a little bit more time these last couple of seasons, and uh, you know, so I, I assume that 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 helped fuel the decision to to bulk up a little bit to be able to to you know stand up to the the course of the longer season uh, now. But yeah, but like you said. We start seeing him get caught a little bit more, starting to get you know squared up a little bit more. Then, then you know maybe, maybe you uh, raise a bit of an eyebrow and uh, loved uh, the Philip K. Dick uh, reference there, even though I've I've not read that. But it's a uh, short I know, story. I yeah, it's, it's not one of the big. Yeah, but still good and interesting. Interesting little little concept there. I wish I could get out of traps. Uh, well, but nope, can't. Uh, just not get, easy. Yeah, someone gives me uh, uh, like a maze. From like a TGI Fridays uh, kids menu, I'm I'm toast. It's over. Uh, forget about it. Um, let's move on over. Bengals Steelers. I, we've touched on this one a, a decent bit, so that um, you know we'll 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 kind of skirt past that one. Uh, Packers Vikings. You're, you're kind of expecting this one to be pretty high scoring, some back and forth. Maybe. I mean, both defense. Uh, the Packers defense looks good on paper. I guess the Vikings doesn't really and. Not that Mike Zimmer is a great defensive coach or anything, but he's he's at least pretty good. He can coach a corner. You know, he, he he's good at being a defensive backs coach. So maybe that defense kind of just gets sloppy without him there, and, and they don't have a ton of talent to begin with. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the Packers' defense could be pretty tough, and yet, I don't know, I just I think Justin Jefferson doesn't really lose to anybody, even if, even if it's Jair. And Thielen, like I was talking about before, I – not to assume, not to just take for granted that he's going to be as good this year. I mean, he is getting up there in age, so eventually it's going to start tailing off. But last year it didn't, and I feel like people have underestimated him for like three years in a row now. So I'm not really writing off Thielen, and I think he can, if he's on Stokes, I bet he can beat him. He can definitely beat Russell Douglas. So there should be some ways, I think, for the for the uh, Vikings to move the ball. And if they do, then... I'm not exactly high on Rodgers this year. I'm and I'm just I'm low on him this year. But I think this Vikings defense could be questionable enough that Rodgers, you know, more or less plays the way he has the last couple of years. And if he does, then we do have a shootout because the the Vikings will you know go up tempo, increased urgency in response. And uh, if they can keep pushing it, and if the Packers don't look sluggish and you know crap on offense. It could be a bit of a shootout. I just, um, I guess, yeah, certainly the the Chiefs-Arizona game I like better, and uh, maybe even the Detroit-Philadelphia one. Uh, I might be a little more confident in that one, too. But I, I do like uh, Sammy Watkins this game. I think if, uh, not to not to assume Dubs is behind or anything, I, I think the two, the two outside receivers are clearly Dubs and Watkins, I think. Uh, I think Christian Watson, even though he's practicing, is just – bad pick they shouldn't have picked him wasn't even worth like a first four rounds in my opinion uh let alone nearly outside of the first uh alan lazard is pretty much just a slot guy and i've seen people hyping randall cobb especially in light of those rogers comments about like oh maybe we maybe we don't have good enough receivers or whatever and people saying like oh dub sucks now it's gonna be cobb it cannot be cobb like alan lazard only plays outside 
uh, away from the slot, if it's bunch uh, like tight split formation when they have everybody really close together, that's the only time Lazard is not in the slot and Randall Cobb is always in the slot. Categorically, Randall Cobb can only play like 20, 25 snaps, even if the Packers play a ton of four wide. So it's not going to be Cobb. And Lazard doesn't line up outside. Amari Rodgers doesn't line up outside. I don't think Samari Tour is going to do anything. So Dobbs and Wat- Watkins and Watson are the only ones who can log snaps outside. So I think Watkins is definitely logging 45. I think Dubs is probably like 35, 40. Uh, in which case, I, I think Dubs could be pretty good. I just like the uh, the veteran detail with Watkins, you know, especially if Dubs needs a little time to, to get up to speed, you know, a month or whatever to get full speed. The slack falls on Watkins, and maybe he just collapses under it. Maybe he doesn't step up to the occasion. But Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback, and uh, this is a dome game. So I, I kind of like the ch- – uh, not not a week one Sammy from two years ago, but I, I like his chances of having a week one that gets everybody chattering. Okay. I'd, I'd like to see that as well, and I, I think you, you laid out a really good case there. Uh, you know, just kind of process of elimination with how the rest of the Packers receivers – Lineup Watkins could sneaky be in a nice spot here. Got a couple more lineup questions. Uh, bench one of these following guys, uh, these three full point PPR Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, or Hollywood? Uh, Hunt, Hunt for me as well. Um, let's see, uh, Chris Olave or Michael Thomas? <laughs> uh, at Thomas, I think. I guess, but uh, I want to say Olave. It just feels irresponsible. Yeah, not not yet. Um, and then uh, I've got pretty interesting one here, actually. That that's a little time sensitive. Uh, Devin Singletary tonight or wait uh, for the J.K. Dobbins news and play Mike Davis. The the risk factor here would be playing Corderell, um if Dobbins is playing. So ba- basically, so choosing between Mike Davis and Corderell and Dobbins and Singletary. Like all four. Yes, so it's like Singletary tonight or wait, and, and then your options in PBR, are. Either. I would just go with Patterson, I think. But if if Patterson's already in the lineup and you need a second one, and if you all if you have Mike Davis, yeah, I think I'd go the Ravens route if if you have Davis already. If if you don't know if you can get Davis and you're gonna have to like scramble to get him pending the the Friday or Thursday injury or sorry the yeah the Dobbins news. Uh, I don't know, maybe go with Singletary then, but I would put Patterson ahead of all of them, I think, in PPR. Okay, fair enough. And then uh, let's see here, uh, Gabe Davis or T. Higgins, who who are you? Who else are you starting? Like that? Man. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean I'd, starting uh, Higgins, but I would go with Davis. Start them both. Just chasing the over under. I don't know. Yeah, start them both. Ideally, <laughs> yeah, find a way to start them both. Um, here's one more. Uh, Acres. Or Sutton in the flex for PPR. Uh, sorry, we got Seattle. Uh, I'd go Sutton. I think not that I, it, you know, they're both good or whatever. Me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in on Sutton. I think that he, he's potential league winning type of pick uh, from this year. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, we got a message from our friends over at MKF. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL full season and week one action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. There's no better time to join monkey knife fight. When you sign up now, you'll get a free first game plus an instant 100% match on your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. 
see the see the site for full details on that. No sharks, no salary caps, no math, just daily fantasy player props. So what are you waiting for? Go to monkeyknifefight.com to play today. And echoing, going off script a little bit, I'm on the MKF College Football Show. So check that out as well, a little cross-promo. Uh, nice. Always a fun show. Myself, Dan Watkins, having a good time over there. That That will be up... I think on YouTube by Friday, um, if not Thursday evening. Uh, let's keep going here. Uh, Raiders Chargers. This could be a shootout too. And uh, let's see, is that on the nice? It's on the main slate. All right. So JC Jackson being out is a really big deal for the Chargers. I mean, they've known about it. It's, it's uh, ankle surgery like two weeks ago. That's that's a big deal because the, the Chargers defense um, they had good pass defense results last year. I think some of that, though, was kind of um, the scheme conceding a little bit against the run. The run defense was trash. It's uh, largely why they got owned the way they did as the season went along. Uh, the pass defense was good, but overachieving. And you could expect Asante Samuel to be a little better, but Chris Harris is gone, and Chris Harris gave them a lot of good reps, uh, even if he was kind of a product of the system or whatever. He gave them a lot of good reps. So they they needed J.C. Jackson to at once – give them a big upgrade over Michael Davis on the outside and also, uh, you know, kind of stabilize what they, what they're maybe losing while they transition away from a, a really consistent guy like Harris and um, Jackson being out, not only just leaves them kind of down to relative to last year at corner. Uh, it takes away their by far main turnover projection guy. I mean, Derwin James is awesome, but JC Jackson is a guy you can give a conservative, like five and a half, interception over under on a season which which will always rank you know very high in the league like he's, he's he's a monster turnover corner he's just not playing it's gonna uh, it's gonna be hard for Derek Carr to turn the ball over too much with him not out there and with him not out there it also makes things substantially more easy for Devonte Adams specifically like they might have tried to shadow Devonte Adams with with JC Jackson I think Adams would have gotten him a few times anyway like JC Jackson's the kind of guy who gives up six catches to the guy he's covering, but he also intercepts two passes. Uh, so when it's against Devontae Adams, he's, you know, he's already giving up eight catches as it is. I think De- Devontae Adams could go for like 12 catches in this game without JC Jackson out there. Uh, I don't think that's uh, it's going to be like a ton of yardage or anything, but Derek Carr should be able to eat these guys up, I think. And, uh, you know, assuming they can neutralize Bosa, that's the only real question. And, you know, you can't let Derwin wreck you either. But those are the only two guys you have to account for. The rest, I think, are just kind of at a disadvantage here. So if the Chargers can force the issue with their offense, or sorry, if the Raiders can force the issue with their offense, then, you know, we can kind of take for granted, I think, that the Chargers offense will be pretty good. Hopefully that's not too hasty. I know, I know that the Raiders got a couple good defenders, but I just, I think Herbert's going to get going. Austin Eckler definitely going to get going. And, uh, yeah, if the if the Raiders can hold serve on offense, I think they could both go over 30 points in this one. So definitely interested in this one. I like Hunter Renfro plenty in this one. Uh, Waller, I, I'm hoping, is this doing some uh, crafty contract negotiating? And if, if he is, he at once is the most likely to – he might see a lot of Derwin James, but so might Keenan Allen. Uh, sorry, uh, so might uh, uh, Hunter Renfro or uh, some – so uh, we'll see. It's not an easy matchup for Waller, but I think Carr has enough ammo to kind of just keep that offense moving. And uh, I also expect Josh McDaniels to be a much more up-tempo offensive play caller than what the Raiders have had in recent years. So 
both of these teams could be tempted to go over like 72, 75 snaps in this game, which would be really big shootout scenario. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. This one, I think, you know, is really catching my attention in the, in the late afternoon uh, window on Sunday. Definitely uh, have convinced myself on Hunter Renfro. Uh, and he did a lot of the convincing himself uh, last season. So uh, excited to see what he's able to do. Excited to see what this Chargers offense is able to do if Brandon Staley does any uh, dumb guy stuff. Uh Disguised as smart guy stuff. We we will have but to see. But he'll sound but, very smart explaining yeah, it after uh, yeah. they lose. Don't worry. Always does. Very impressive stuff. Uh, so no, that that's going to be a good one. Um, I, I think there's a you know not just non-zero, but I think that there there's a chance. I think just the way that the Chargers are the Chargers. I feel like the Raiders could just go in there and, and win that game. To to be fully honest, um, let's get on over. Got a couple more here to to hit quick before we get out of here. Uh, Giants, Titans, Titans, five and a half point favorites. I think the Titans are pretty bad. I mean, I know the Giants are pretty bad, but I mean, I just, I don't feel comfortable trusting the Giant or I'm sorry, the Titans with more than a field goal, even against a really bad team when they're at home. So I I think I'm just going to take the points, hold my nose. It's tough for me to think through this one. I'm not as high on the Giants offense as I was a couple weeks ago. Uh, oddly, it's because they cut Blake Mar- Martinez, the linebacker, which was just a bizarre thing to do. Uh, even if he was overpaid, even if he's coming back from an ACL, it was like, that's the kind of move you make as a team when you're sort of just vibing through it. Like You, you didn't have any plan. You just kind of got up that day. It was like, what if we cut Martinez? Why don't, why don't, we, why don't we just like, get rid of our leading snap projected guy, that linebacker, and just see, why not do it? Uh, doesn't seem like they're really thinking things through. And uh, they might just kind of be looking at this year as like a waste year, an evaluation year. So I don't know. It, it, I doubt they're trying to compete. We'll see. Uh, I, I doubt. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough for me to think through whether they're going to try to compete and basically you know feed their most talented players or if they're going to kind of do the sort of thing that you would if you were tanking in franchise mode in Madden, where it's like you try to juice the stats of some some guy you're trying to trade or something. Like maybe they maybe they feed Galladay to try to get somebody to trade to take his contract after the year or something. I don't know, but they should have a few guys who they can really get going if if they you know are, if Dable really makes it a point to. And I think Tony is one. I, I was skeptical of him before they started working him outside. You know, Ron, uh, Londa Robinson in the slot. I think was a foregone conclusion and Tony played only the slot last year, but if he's outside, obviously that run after the catch ability will play. You just got to get him the ball somehow. And uh, if they're running with any decent tempo, it, it and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm banking on Saquon uh, kind of breaking back out. I, I think I got him on like 30% of my best ball team. So I, I hope he does anyway. Uh, that offensive line is interesting. It could be so good that they just kind of have a low stress level on offense, which um, not that Jones wouldn't turn the ball over in that scenario. He still will, but he might kind of just be a little bit cleaner. You know, they, they might have uh, they might catch teams by surprise with their play calling for the first time this year too. It's, it's there's little things that could go right, but in this particular game, the Titans defense looks pretty tough and like Caleb Farley looks, you know, knock on wood, like he might be able to step up a bit this year. Like Christian Fulton was already a good corner. If Farley can get going, he can be really good. So that Titans defense looks tough to me and certainly tough for a, an offense as shaky as the Giants. 
So I expect Derrick Henry to have a big game here. I'm, I'm a little concerned about Henry over the course of the year, but this game he should get rolling. I don't, I don't think the Giants are suited to stopping him. Uh, and they, they might give the Titans offense the ball quite a few times, you know, in, in good field position. And even if, even if Henry gets only like 75 yards on his first 20 carries, if he's getting over 20 carries and that defense is spending a certain number of plays on the field, that 60 yarder is just around the corner because yeah. those guys are going to get gassed and it's, they're going to yeah. be a quicksand soon. So uh, I like the Titans to win and I think they might win kind of decisively, but I think they'll still suck and like fade over the course of the year. Okay. All right. I think that that's good perspective there. I might have to, might have to uh, change my, my pick lean uh, on the giants there. A uh, couple more chiefs Cardinals. Uh, your thoughts. Maybe it's this kind game, of a this game is trap. ballooned. It's like the spread on this one has ballooned. It was like three and a half a couple weeks ago for the on the Chiefs side, and then it was four and a half earlier this week. It's six now. And it seems like the the big money and the the, the modest money are kind of both on the Chiefs in that timeline. Uh, like sixty one percent of the bets, and now they're up the, the two and a half points. It's moved since it's opened. Uh, maybe this is a chalk trap. Uh, highest over under, I believe. Uh, on the Sunday slate, right? So uh, this this one's going to get a lot of fantasy attention, rightfully so. Uh, it's it's helpful that it's in Arizona rather than Arrowhead, especially from the, the Arizona side. It's like if, if Arizona was going to Arrowhead, I'd just kind of say like, well, yeah, whatever. Kyler's going to get rocked here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cliff can come up with some some really gruesome stuff in that place, but in, in Arizona, um, you know, you expect the Chiefs' offense to be hot, and I I think the Arizona defense is going to regress really painfully this year uh they don't have Chandler Jones they don't know really what they're doing with these linebackers Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins like I think they're both talented and I think Vance Joseph is a good defensive coordinator but uh the front office for the Cardinals is, is just run by some of the dumbest most negligent people on the planet and they don't have a coherent collection of personnel their corner personnel aside from Murphy is trash I think he's a slot guy last year so they're vulnerable outside probably and uh they don't have the same pass rush as last year to account for it. Like Chandler Jones can help you get away with bad outside corners. Uh, Marcus golden. He's, he's hurt or something too. I think uh, it's not, it's not the same thing that that defense is going to fall off a cliff, I think. And chiefs offense is a great, you know, opponent to, 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 to really make them look bad. Uh, I think they, the chiefs can run for the, uh, a lot in this one. I think they can throw for a lot. I'm expecting Juju Smith Schuster to get off to a fast start. Um, I think I think the Chiefs will really move the ball well in this one. So the question for me is kind of how much can the Cardinals move it? And I think the Chiefs defense is a lot better than last year. I think I think the Chiefs defense is going to shock people this year. I don't know if it will this week. Uh, they've got some kind of like they got some new faces on defense. Like Trent McDuffie's probably really good, and he he could probably do well as a rookie, maybe even in this game. But they're breaking in him. I don't know if that Joshua Williams guy from Tennessee State or whatever is is getting worked in uh they got justin reed at safety and i actually think he'll be better than matthew but sometimes things are just a little wonky in week one especially if you got a bunch of new players uh on some unit so i can see the cardinals getting off to a fast start here too like rondale moore uh he's a, he's a really nice DraftKings pick i think at four thousand. Uh, i'm expecting marquise brown to get going in this one i, I think um he, he's he's got some limitations but i just i just love this the scenario for Marquise Brown, you know, like up tempo shootout in a dome, uh, teams playing aggressively. 
and the target share certainly in his favor with DeAndre Hopkins suspended. So I, I love Marquise Brown and I know he's going to be popular in DFS, but I, I can't get away from him and, you know, AJ Brown and Rondale Moore. I think it, I think it sets up really nicely for those guys and Juju. I like a lot. Okay. Good calls. All right. Good targets for, from this game for, for your DFS interests out there. All right, let's hit the primetime games. Uh, so we got bucks Cowboys. Uh, and then we got, of course, the, the, the Russ, return to Seattle. So um, your thoughts on, on Bucks Cowboys and, and starting things off with, with what's Dak going to be able to do with, with, you know, all of the attrition in that pass catching group. Yeah. I wonder if I'm missing some, I guess I must be missing something. I don't know why Dallas would be within, you know, like four and a half, five and a half in the spread in this one. I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Tom's got some issues. Maybe maybe Tom has off-field drama. Maybe that holds him back. But I, I think it would take something like that for uh, Tampa to be truly threatened by Dallas in this game. I just don't. I don't know what Dallas has going for that. That Buccaneers run defense is is mostly still going to be really really tough. You know, it's like I know they they've had like a bit of a fall off since two years ago, but they're going to trend back toward that level as long as Vita Vey is on the field and this Cowboys offensive line reeling. I, I think they could kind of get rocked in this one. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not feeling so, super good um, about uh, the Cowboys in, in this one. Uh, personally, uh, even with them being at like home. like Lamb, but if Dak throws for 240 yards, it's one of those things like Lamb could get 170 of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there's just not a whole lot else. Uh, you know, obviously with Mark Cooper being gone and, and all the other injuries uh, there for Dallas. So, you know, maybe Zeke gets like – 40, 40 of those other yards uh, receiving Schultz gets uh, eight catches for 42 yards or something <laughs> a vintage Witten performance uh for, from Dalton Schultz um and then let's see here finishing it out Seahawks Broncos do the Broncos crush them do do the Seahawks show a little spine what's going on uh, it's tough to think through personally for me it is anyway the Broncos have the more talented team there's no doubt about that but I think Pete Carroll is a much better coach than Nathaniel Hackett will prove to be. And, uh, you know, anything can happen in one game, like any, almost anything can happen in one game. So if Hackett totally shows up Carroll, that wouldn't be surprising. Exactly. Like if if the, if the Broncos just lit them up, it wouldn't be shocking. Uh, we can't be shocked easily when, you know, you have games like last year with the, the saints, like murdering the Packers in week one or whatever. Just wacky things happen. And not everything that happens has to mean anything. But I do think Hackett is a buffoon and he's got a lot of like first time coaches on his crew. He didn't he didn't have much suction as a head coaching hire. Like he couldn't get Getsy to join him and, and Getsy went to the Bears. And granted he's technically the play caller for the Bears. Maybe Hackett would technically want to be the play caller for the Broncos, but Getsy's not getting promoted to a head coach as the offensive coordinator for the Bears, and yet he he went there. So um, there's, I haven't heard great things about the people on the Broncos staff. I think, uh, Hackett is a extremely dubious character to start with. Uh, I think Carroll is a lot more crafty than people give him credit for too. And one thing that's definitely true, Pete Carroll's guys love him and they play hard for him. They, they respect him. I don't think anybody respects Hackett. I think the Broncos are going to be one of those teams like the Cowboys where he, yes, they have a lot of talent, but you just can't quite take for granted that they'll show up on the field, the way you do other coaches, other teams. So uh, with that said, uh, Russell Wilson is of course just a, uh, such a huge upgrade over Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. You can barely quantify it. 
and he's got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. If if Hackett isn't a complete moron, they have Albert Aquegbenum posing a, a dangerous threat to defenses. Like Hackett's in this position where he's at risk of lower uh, having less respect for Albert Aquegbenum than defenses do, which is how you really would know. That's how you would really mark him for a, an idiot coach. Um, and I don't know if he's quite that. It takes such an egregious level of stupidity to reach quite that point. I don't think he'll quite get there. And I think out of necessity, the Broncos will kind of have Aquegbenum revealed to them because they'll have to go to him out of desperation at some point. Like Russell Wilson needs that middle of the field down the seam shot. And I don't know who other than Hamler can give him that equipment uh, uh, and Hamler. I mean, so all those guys c- can do a lot of damage to the Seattle defense. Uh, the thing that's maybe interesting from the other side is kind of the question of how much damage can the Seattle offense do? And that's the part that I have trouble thinking through. Like the, the Broncos have some really good players on defense. Pat Sertan could be, uh, the next number one corner, whenever Ramsey gives up that title, uh, they, they got some you know good players in the front seven here and there. But I could imagine the Seahawks running game getting the better of them in this game, too. And if Rashad Penny gets over like 120 yards, then Geno Smith might have some kind of favorable circumstances in the 25, 30 pass attempts he throws. And when two thirds of the targets are going to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, if the running game is doing a lot of lifting, that could amount to a lot of stress on a defense, even though it's the Seahawks and even though you know nobody has any expectations for them as an offense. So I think it's pretty dangerous for the Broncos, even though they are rightfully, you know, the safe heavy favorites. It's just, it is easy for it to be a trap game for them, I think. Yeah, I, I think it absolutely is. Um, you know, and, and like you said, you know, Seattle, uh, even if they're, pretty bereft of talent. They still got some coaching chops and uh, they're going to, you know, give it everything that, that they have there. Monday night, standalone game, all that stuff. So maybe that number a little bit too large in favor of Denver with all the, those moving pieces, despite the uh, the obvious upgrade uh, at quarterback. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Tune in for Friday's episode, DFS Focus. Scott Jenstad, Ryan Belanger, uh, taking you through the slates for DFS. But again, thanks to all our sponsors and thank you, the listeners, for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.